You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. On today's walk talk, before I begin, I want to go ahead and introduce myself. If you're new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I am a Christian author. I've written seven books so far. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Maybe hardcover in the, in the future? Amazon KDP is how I publish my books. They now have a hardcover beta, so I think that'd be pretty cool. I'm gonna look into that when I get some time. All right, what else? I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament. It's in the book of Ephesians. And the pastor is not what we see today in our modern church. We don't want to disrespect people who have that title of pastor. However, in the Bible, there is no title of pastor. When we see that word pastor in Ephesians 4, there's no qualifications. There's no authority. Nothing. It just lists it as a supernatural gift along with some other supernatural gifts. So what does that tell you? The person at the church that you go to or have been going to has no authority over you. Wild, right? They also have no qualifications to be a pastor. This is in the Bible. I'm not coming up with this. Go back to scripture. Find the word pastor. Look for the word pastor and look for qualifications. Look for authority. There is none. None. We also see the word elder. Some people will rebut this and say, well, there's elders, there's deacons. Yes, there is. The word elder, the word deacon is used about 70 times in the scriptures. No authority. No authority. No authority. Qualifications we have for elders, qualifications we have for deacons, but no authority. So I'm trying to help you understand your freedom and understand the fact that the people at the buildings that we've named church who have given themselves the title of pastor, who have given themselves the title of elder, who have given themselves the title of deacon. That's not in the Bible. We've come up with that and we've retrofit it back into the Bible. So I say this because I want you to understand your freedom. I want you to understand you lack nothing. You have all you need for life and godliness because you have believed in Jesus by grace. So when we see the pastor on stage, and they are appearing as if they have some type of authority over you. They don't. Sometimes their authority is a superiority authority. Sometimes it is a I know everything authority. Sometimes it is a threat of hell authority. They have none of that. (laughs) They have none of that. The early church was a group and it is still a group today. The word church is simply a group. It's not a building. So I want to help you understand that. And the reason why I say this in my introduction is I don't want you to put any of your confidence into one individual person. I want you to have confidence in who you are and what you know so far. You don't have to know everything. Some ministries are built on knowing everything. You never hear them say, I don't know, or I might be wrong, or I'll look into that. I say that all the time, but sometimes you have people Their flavor of the flesh is, I know everything. Many of them have given themselves the title of pastor. Many of them have given themselves the title of elder or deacon. It's not in the Bible. Go back to the Bible. (laughs) Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's biblical (laughs) based on the context of the new covenant. Okay? What else? I have no formal theological training. None. 
How much theological training did the early church have? None. They had the spirit. I have the spirit in me. You have the spirit in you. Theological seminary degrees don't cause you to become any higher in the view of God. Some people have a theological degree, a seminary degree. They're not even believers. They think that they have found life in those scriptures, but they've refused to come to Jesus. Instead, they went to seminary so that they can be a pastor or an elder or a deacon or whatever, just so they can prove how smart they are. But that's not in the Bible. So I have no seminary degree. That's pretty liberating. It's pretty darn easy to say, I don't know everything. I don't have to know everything, but I know what I need to know right now. And I lack nothing. I'm learning, I'm growing just like you, okay? All right, if you want to contact me, and, and let's back up just a step. The pastors, the elders, the deacons, we don't have to attack them. I know I get a little passionate about this, but I'm never wanting to stir you up to attack anybody. That's not natural for you as a holy person. You can have a conversation with them. You can have coffee with them. You can try to shoot them an email, a text. You can interact with them. You can even ignore that part of their personality. It's totally up to you. But what you don't want to do is attack. You will regret that. I've done it quite a few times. I burnt some bridges and I regret it. So you can learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Think of them with love. Love them. Sometimes you can't have a relationship with them because they are so hung up on, I'm a pastor or I'm an elder or I'm a deacon. They ain't trying to hear what you have to say. They don't care. They like that position. They like the adoration. <laughs> they like the certificate on the wall. They like the word pastor in front of their name. They ain't trying to hear what you're trying to say. Then they really don't care what the Bible has to say about the word pastor. They don't want to look at it. They block it off. <laughs> you don't have to attack them. Set healthy boundaries, protect yourself from exposing yourself to that individual or that individual's teaching or where that person is at the best you can. Think of them with love, okay? That's it. Love them, don't attack. <laughs> if you're angry because they taught you so much anger for so, uh, taught you so much error for so long, don't attack them over it. It's okay to be angry about it, but don't attack them. Just know that's their struggle, not yours. All right, if you wanna contact me, you can always go to my website and then go over to the contact page and uh, that'll go straight to my pocket here. Now, here's the thing. If you contact me, <laughs> if you shoot me an email, if you go to my website and if your email is kind and courteous or even just asking questions, I'll be glad to interact with you. But if you shoot me a rude email, here's what I do. I actually will block you. So I won't respond, I'll block you. You won't even know that I did that. Same goes with social media. People disagree with me on social media all day, every day. I don't mind at all. Disagree, that's fine. But when you start name calling or being disrespectful, I have no time for that. I block you. <laughs> so if you're trying to get a rise or trying to get attention out of the comments, I'm gonna delete your comment and I'm gonna block you. So you may as well go somewhere else to do that. I don't interact with that. I don't give that any attention, okay? If you wanna hang out, hang out. If not, you can block me so you don't have to see me anymore. I might not be your cup of tea, you might not like my face, my accent, whatever, but if you are aggressive or rude or disrespectful, I will block you and not interact. If you disagree with me, 
and you're just simply disagreeing or having questions or voicing your concerns, please do, please do. Because what happens is when you comment with those type of things, I can reply based on what I know, that might help you. That might answer some other questions that somebody else has that's looking in the comments, okay? All right, also one big announcement I wanted to make here. Um, I have officially uh, began the process of turning these walk talks into a podcast. So uh, I'm going to call it uh, Walk Talks with Matt McMillan, uh, something like that. But I have already started the process of extracting the audio from all of these and putting them on a podcast. I get the request quite often to put these on a podcast so people can just listen to them. I think I'm close to 100 episodes now. It's pretty cool. Uh, and I'm also starting a YouTube channel. I was always against a YouTube channel because I don't have time for it, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it. The only thing I'm gonna do on YouTube for now is take these walk talks, put them on YouTube. So if you subscribe to YouTube, you can close your phone and listen to the walk talks on YouTube if you want to, or you can go to the podcast. Either way, I'm working on that. I hope to have that out within the next month or two, but it is going to happen soon. All right. So let's go ahead and get to today's walk talk. What is speaking in tongues? It's a very confusing topic. So before I begin with this, I love you. I care about you. I'm not doing this walk talk about speaking in tongues to cut the legs out from under you, to destroy what you believe, to harm you. I don't want you to feel less than. I don't want you to feel ignorant or stupid. That's never my goal. So, as I talk about this, what is speaking in tongues, I hope you feel love from me. That is my goal. I'm not trying to be the wise guy. I'm not trying to be the smartest uh, encyclopedia pastor. I just want to help you understand your freedom. And then you can do whatever you want to do with that. You are free. But I love you. I care for you. So as I talk about this, I'm telling you what I know so far. Okay? It is not to make you feel bad. So let's go ahead and get to it. What is speaking in tongues? First of all, besides telling you that I love you and I care for you and that I want you to enjoy your freedom, I also want you to know I don't think tongues has gone away. I've got some colleagues who think tongues has ceased. And they've got some scriptures to back it up, but I'm not seeing that in the context personally when I've studied it. Okay, so I don't think tongues has gone away. I think speaking in tongues, it's still for today. I think it is still useful for today. It's a supernatural gift. Any supernatural gift. The point, sorry about my snotty nose, guys. Somebody said on one of my TikToks the other days, boy, he sure does blow his nose a lot. What do you want from me? <laughs> it's snotty. Sorry. So there you go. Um, a supernatural gift is meant to edify, which means to build up somebody else. What could possibly build somebody up the most? 
the message about Jesus. What's the message about Jesus? You're completely forgiven and you're righteous. So when we use the gift of tongues and we understand that the gifts of tongues is to edify the church, to build up the church, that should right away tell us it's, it's still available. We can't put God in a box and say, tongues has gone away. Who are we to tell God what he can do? He can do anything. But let's look at the Bible and look at all the sections of scripture that I can think of right now in regard to tongues. Just so we can make this simple. If there is anything that's not simple or easy or light, if it's stressful, it's not the gospel. So if you think of tongues and it immediately brings anxiety to you, you've learned it in error. If you think of tongues and it immediately brings pride to you, you've learned it in error. Tongues is not meant to cause any type of anxiety. Tongues is not meant to edify yourself. First Corinthians 14, 12 says it is for edification of the church. We're going to come back. We're going to come back to this. We're also going to come back to the part where there was an individual in 1 Corinthians 14 edifying themselves by using this gift and many others. But let's go back to the Bible, Acts chapter 2. This is the first mention of tongues in regard to using it as a supernatural gift. Acts chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it tells us exactly what tongues is. Read it. Acts chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. It is foreign human languages. There was a group of many different regions, all in this same area. They spoke different languages. Lots of different language speaking people. They heard the message about Jesus, the gospel, in their native tongue. That's tongues. If you hear somebody speaking your language and they do not speak your language naturally, they just used the gift of tongues. It's an evangelistic gift. This is how the gospel spread so quickly. It removed the language barrier. This is how the early church could go from region to region to region, telling people about the Messiah about the son of God. There was no language barrier. They said, we hear them speaking in our, in our native tongue. So for example, let's say you speak German. I do not speak German. You don't know about Jesus. I do know about Jesus. And I tell you about Jesus in German. That's tongues. That's all it is. We've turned it into something that it's not by taking some certain passages out of context. So when you see the word tongues in the Bible, understand that word means language. The gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of speaking. If I spoke Spanish to you, you'd speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. That's tongues. All right. Now let's go ahead and get to a couple different sections of scripture where people will probably attempt to disagree with me, but let's just look at them in context. We see in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul addresses tongues gone wild, quote, so to speak. Tongues were out of control with this group of Christians. First of all, 
This is not at a building, in a church, with a pastor, with elders, with deacons. This is just a group. So we don't see that anywhere in the Bible. There's never any recorded spot in any of the New Testament letters where there's a congregation sitting with a person up on stage speaking. It was always a group. Okay? But when we see 1 Corinthians 14, because of human tradition and because of what we've created today, we can think Paul is visiting this church building in Corinth and a pastor's on stage and there's a bunch of people speaking in tongues. It's not the context. In context, this was simply a group of Christians and they were all speaking in tongues at the same time. Paul tells them, don't do this. Imagine it. Imagine, let's just say it's a church. Imagine you go to a church and you walk in and you've got Bob over here speaking Swahili. You've got Susan over here speaking Chinese. You've got Betty speaking German. You got all these different people speaking all these different human languages. Paul said, if people visit you, they're going to think you're mad. Will they not think you're mad? He said, stop doing that. Nobody can understand you. There's nobody there who can even interpret that language. He said, wait for an interpreter. So here's another part. Some people will say, yeah, right there. You got somebody speaking in tongues, which they are not speaking a foreign human language. They're speaking unintelligible words that are that is not a human language just something that they're clicking clacking and then they say this person over here can interpret that click clack so they have the gift of interpreting that's not what that is paul is saying wait for an actual interpreter of that language wait for somebody to come in that speaks spanish wait somebody for somebody that comes in that speaks german or somebody who has the gift of interpreting tongues somebody who does not speak spanish but has the gift of interpreting what they said. Somebody who does not speak German, but has the gift of interpreting what that person just said. He said, wait for an interpreter. He says, if you don't do this, you're not speaking to anybody in the church. You're not speaking to the people. You are edifying yourself. Everybody, when they hear you, all they hear is mysteries because they don't understand Spanish. They don't understand German. Only God can understand you. Why would he say that? Some people will say, right here, it tells you to pray in tongues so you can speak mysteries to God. You cannot speak a mystery to God. <laughs> He's God. The mystery is to the people around you. God understands every human language. God does not need you to speak in a foreign human language to talk to him. He understands your unspoken words. He understands what you think before you even say it. So some people will say, I got to pray in tongues and it's going to help me. There's not a single recorded spot in the Bible where somebody prays in tongues. Early on in 1 Corinthians 14, that person is being rebuked. And it doesn't even say they're praying in tongues. It just says you're speaking mysteries. And it's a mystery to the people. And then Paul says, stop doing that. Wait for somebody to interpret what you're saying. Because only God can hear you. Only God can understand you. You're edifying yourself. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, you're not supposed to edify yourself with your gifts. Gifts are to edify the church. 
And he's saying, you're speaking in tongues just to show off that you can speak this foreign human language. You're speaking mysteries that only God can understand because he understands what you're saying because he's God. You're not speaking to the people. He says, I would rather you prophesy. So here's another error. So we got the error. <laughs> this is just a side note because the word prophesy is clearly going to come up in this. Because he says, I don't want you to speak in tongues without an interpreter. I want you to prophesy. So some people will say, speaking in tongues is this click clack. An interpreter is somebody who can interpret the click clack. And then they'll say, that person will then tell you about the future. New covenant prophecy is not about future telling. Old Testament prophecy was not prophesying. Okay, so... Prophesy means to speak out. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're telling people where to go or what to do in the future. Prophecy means to speak out. And he's saying, don't speak in tongues. You don't have somebody to interpret that language. Just prophesy. Prophesy means to speak out. And he tells us what, what the prophecy is for. Edification, encouragement, consolation. To edify you, to build you up, to console you, to encourage you. What would possibly edify you, encourage you, and console you? The message about Jesus. So speak out about Jesus rather than use that foreign human language until you get an interpreter. What's the message about Jesus? You're completely forgiven. God no longer holds your sins against you. That's pretty edifying. Not only that, you're righteous. So you're forgiven and righteous. Why? Because of Jesus, because of the cross and the resurrection. So I'm speaking out about Jesus. Is this making sense? I hope it is. So we got to take our focus off of the error of what this gift has been taught as and also clear up what prophesying is. Prophecy is the future. And Hebrews chapter one says, in the past, God spoke through the prophets now that Christ is here, he speaks through his son. So his spirit is in you. So we don't need anybody to tell us the future. There's no such thing as a crystal ball reading Christian. That's not a gift. Prophesying as a gift is simply speaking out about Jesus. I'm using that gift right now by taking your focus off of the gifts and back onto Jesus. So I'm actually doing what Paul's instructing us to do in 1 Corinthians 14. Wait for an interpreter. Stop edifying yourself because the gifts are not for you. Okay? So I hope that makes sense. So let's go ahead and get to praying in tongues. Praying in tongues. Again, and I, and I want to back up real quick because some people will say, no, there's multiple forms of tongues. We got speaking in tongues in 1 Corinthians 14. And then they'll say there's the tongues of angels, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is not speaking about the gift of tongues. When Paul says, even if I speak in the tongues of angels, it is the tongues of angels. Angels don't have a supernatural gift. You don't have to speak like an angel. You don't edify angels. The, the context of 1 Corinthians 13 is Paul is saying, even if I can move mountains, even if I can speak in the tongues of angels, love is the greatest gift. It's not about speaking in tongues. The next chapter is, is about speaking in actual tongues. So some people will say, yeah, but I really enjoy praying in tongues. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us to pray in tongues. Why would you need to pray in a foreign human language? 
God already understands you. Some will say Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 instructs us to pray in tongues. It does not. That is the Spirit interceding for us. And he is speaking in wordless groans. Wordless. Again, for emphasis, wordless. It's not a tongue. It is wordless and it is a groan. And that is when you are so distraught, you don't even know what to pray. The Holy Spirit steps in and intercedes for you in wordless groans. There's no instruction in the Bible to pray in tongues. You do not have to pray in a foreign human language. God understands you just by saying, help me. All right. When you do that, you're edifying yourself. Not what the gifts are for, friends. Sometimes that's hard to hear. But just know that the gifts that you have is meant to build up the church, not help you pray. So you don't have to pray in tongues. What else? Tongues cannot be taught. It's a gift. Gifts cannot be taught. That's why it's a gift. You can hone your gift, but you can't teach a gift. You can't learn a gift. You have it or you don't have it. So that should take some pressure off of you. There are actual locations which say they will teach you how to pray in tongues. And the reason why is they want you to think you do not have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. You got to speak in tongues or else you don't have the Holy Spirit. That's not true. It's not true. You get the Spirit in full one time. Paul even said, not everyone speaks in tongues, do they? 1 Corinthians 12. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I wish you would speak in tongues. Why would he say that? Because if you had the gift of tongues, you could go from region to region to region, tell people about Jesus with no language barrier. That would be awesome. And he spoke in tongues more than all of them because he traveled the most to preach the gospel. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He started out with the Jews and the Jews rejected him. And he said, okay, you don't like this message about Jesus? I'll go out here and tell all these Gentiles. So he traveled the most to preach the gospel, spoke in tongues more than everybody. But he said, not everyone speaks in tongues, do they? So how can you teach something where Paul is saying, not everyone does it? It is a gift. So you can let yourself off the hook. When we look at the topic of tongues, some people want to really pressure others into speaking in tongues. Some people will even force it. Clearly it's forced because it's not a human language. It's click clack. And there was a study done, I don't know, a decade or so ago where this person went from church to church to church in different parts of the world and studied people who were speaking in tongues. What they came to find out was what they were saying was tongues. The people who were quote speaking in tongues was nothing more than the most used syllables in that language. So that is what your mind is grabbing when you think you're speaking in tongues and it's not a foreign human language. Tongues is a different language other than what you know. 
So if you try to force tongues, it's going to come out as whatever your language is, the most used syllable, you're going to do that. So speaking in tongues is an amazing gift, but it can't be taught. You know, if speaking in tongues is evidence that you have a second dose of the spirit, then Romans is wrong. Romans chapter eight, when Paul said, if you don't have the spirit, you don't belong to Christ. If you don't have the spirit, you don't belong. That means you have the spirit or you don't have the spirit. He who doesn't have the spirit does not belong to Christ. So you get him in full once. So what are we to make of evidence of speaking in tongues, like in the book of Acts? In the book of Acts, we have to understand, the book of Acts is not doctrine. It is recorded Acts. It's not written like any of the letters. It is Luke recording the travels of Paul. It's a history book. It belongs in the canon of scripture, but there's not enough information at each location. And Paul, there's lots of growth happening in the book of Acts. None of the book of Acts is wrong, but we have to read the book of Acts in the context of the new covenant. So when we look at the book of Acts and we see when people received the spirit and they began speaking in tongues, who knows if there was a foreign language group around them or not. That doesn't mean that they immediately told somebody about Jesus in their native tongue. They could have gone off and told somebody about Jesus in their native tongue. That would have been evidence that they were a Christian. So if I rolled up into your tribe, you never heard about Jesus. And I start telling you about Jesus in your own language. That's evidence that I have the spirit in me. Wouldn't you say? Yes, that's evidence of speaking in tongues. But you don't have to speak in tongues to get a second dose. Some people say, yeah, you're saved, but you got to go to a church, to a spirit-filled church, so that you can speak in tongues and then receive a second dose of the spirit. And then you got to be flailed on the floor, and then somebody's got to put a holy blankie on you. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. There's no part of the Bible that teaches that. I welcome you to study this. Don't take my word for it. Do this. Go to Bible Gateway, which is basically the search engine for the Bible. Type in tongues. Type in slain in the spirit. Type in all of these things that I'm talking about. Even the word pastor. Some people think I'm attacking pastors. I'm not. I love pastors. But if you type in the word pastor in Bible Gateway, one time in the New Testament. Type in all these different things I'm talking about. Study scripture for yourself. And then you decide. Same with tongues. There's nothing in the Bible that says you get a second dose of the Spirit. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to speak in tongues so that the devil doesn't understand you. I've heard that as well. The devil knows tons of different languages. <laughs> he tempts everybody in their own language. So when you speak in a foreign human language and you think the devil can't hear you because you're doing that, that makes no sense. Some people will say you have to speak in a tongue to cast out a demon. That's not in the Bible. It's not there. Demons can't be possessed, first of all, because we're already possessed by the spirit of Jesus. The book of Colossians tells us that 
The spiritual realm, the demonic spiritual realm, was defeated and disarmed at the cross. First John tells us the reason why Jesus came to earth was destroy, was to destroy the work of the devil, and he did that. First John 5 also says the evil one cannot even touch you. So these deliverance ministries where Christians are getting demons cast out of them week after week after week, it's not in the Bible. It's not there. People will get angry about that because that's where they find their identity. They find their identity in doing those things or they want to blame their actions or attitudes on that quote demon in them. So they got to go see somebody to get that demon out of them again and again and again. The Holy Spirit won't share you with the demon. So what are we to make of that when we see that? It's simply passed down tradition of error. That's all it is. It is not in the Bible. Search the Bible before the cross. Yes, because the devil was not yet defeated. We see it after the cross. Not one time in any New Testament letter are you instructed to cast out a demon. Not one time in any New Testament letter are you instructed to speak in tongues to cast out a demon. Not one time in any New Testament letter is a Christian possessed by a demon. It isn't there. So you don't have to worry about that. I hope what I'm saying is making you guys feel better. Maybe it's not. Somebody messaged me the other day and they said, with every post you post, you are trashing my theology. But they were saying it in a good way. I'm not trying to trash your theology. I'm not. I'm just trying to go back to the Bible and help you understand the context of scripture. We learn so many things from people over the years, but we don't go back to the Bible to check it. Or we learn so many things from people over the years, but we aren't reading the Bible in the proper context. We're reading it based on their interpretation of it, based on what they enjoy, such as speaking in tongues. But let's just, let's just go back to the Bible. It's real simple, friends. <sighs> All right. So I hope this has encouraged you guys today. hope it's brought to light some things about tongues and you know, gave you a sense of relief. I think tongues is still for today. Matter of fact, I was studying this years ago when I first came to understand it. And I, I, I looked up to see if there was any recent events of tongues. And at that time, there actually was. And there was this tribe who had never heard about Jesus, but these missionaries went into that tribe and began speaking that tribe's language. And they recorded it. It was tongues. I tried to find that clip and I couldn't find it because it's been years ago when this happened. I, you know, I first began to understand tongues about 2015, something like that. But tongues is still for today. God can still use anything to get this message out about his son. Anything. You know, there's another gift that's called a word of knowledge. You know, there's this big famous TV program where there's people on TV and, uh, uh, and they say they have a word of knowledge and they... They put their hand out like this and they say there's somebody who has a broken ankle right now it is healing that's not a word of knowledge that might be a gift that you know you might not understand what is knowledge and what is a word
It is speaking out about the knowledge about Jesus, the knowledge of Christ. We are learning and growing and being built up in the knowledge of Christ. We're growing in grace. Word of knowledge is not scanning a TV audience. A word of knowledge is not somebody standing up and saying something about the future. A word of knowledge is me standing up and saying, you're completely forgiven. God no longer holds your sins against you. You're righteous. What did I do? I just spoke out about Jesus, about the word. So now you have knowledge about that. It's gotta go back to Jesus. We gotta get all these gifts back focused on Jesus. What would tongues be about? Jesus. What is prophesying about? Jesus. Word of knowledge, Jesus. Encouragement, Jesus. It's all gotta go back to him. Not us. (laughs) Not what we are doing or not doing. We gotta get this stuff in order, friends. Okay, and again, Paul said, tongues is not the greatest gift. That should tell you, you don't have to speak in tongues to get a second dose of the spirit. Paul said, prophesying is greater. So why aren't we saying people need to prophesy to receive a second dose of the spirit? Because all that is just a a cornucopia of error. error. (laughs) What's the greatest spiritual gift? Even if I can move mountains, even if I can speak in the tongues of angels, even if I can get on social media and encourage you guys, even if I can write books, even if I know everything about the Bible front to back, even if I'm a great musician, even if I'm a great orator, even if I can serve like no other, even if Those things mean nothing without love. You have to express those gifts in love. You have to do those things in love. If you don't, Paul says you are a clanging symbol. Nobody will care what you have to say. So if I get on social media and I say, you got to put God first. You got to get up every day. You got to read your Bible. You got to go to the gym. You got to A, B, and C. It's not loving. I need to refocus it back onto Jesus. I need to make it about him, not me, not you. The greatest gift is love. Make it about Jesus. You have that if you've believed. Do you want to believe right now? Maybe you're watching this. Maybe this is just new to you. And what I'm saying is something completely different than what you grew up in, all the pressure all the hierarchies, all the top-down authority, all of the tithe to be blessed. Maybe this is weird to you. You can believe in Jesus right now and you can receive that love. Right now. All you have to do, believe. Believe Jesus has forgiven you. There's not a sinner's prayer. There's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. You receive the Spirit, Paul said, by hearing with faith. So when I'm saying these things to you, if you're hearing it and you're like, I like this. This is good news. Jesus is a really big deal. I need to be forgiven. I believe you're saved. You're saved. You're a brand new creation. Your old self died. You're new. That's it. It's that simple. You don't have to go nowhere. You don't have to do anything. 
you believe you believe so hopefully you believed hmm it's not too late if you're still alive <laughs> it's not too late you don't have to speak in tongues <sighs> all right so always tell the truth about yourself what's the truth You're righteous, <laughs> you're holy, you're blameless, you're a new creation. You don't have to speak in tongues to be saved or get a second dose of the spirit or prove anything. You lack nothing. And if you believed just a moment ago, you're a brand new creation right now, right now. Not later. You don't have to start going to church or start reading your Bible. No, 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 no. You're fine. The Spirit of God, that love has been poured out into you. He has been poured into you, into your spirit. You've received him. You become one spirit with the Lord. He is never going to go anywhere. You don't have to chase him down. You don't have to seek him anymore. He's in. You don't seek what is in. You grow. You don't call back down what is in. You don't go to a place to get it back in. He's here. He's here. He's here. Christ in you. Your hope of glory has already happened because you believed. So, always tell the truth about yourself. You're never alone. Always be yourself. See you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.